Section 18 of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. A Failure of Initiative. Final Report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to Investigate the Preparation for and Response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. Evacuation, Part 3. Finding. The incomplete pre-landfall evacuation led to deaths, thousands of dangerous rescues, and horrible conditions for those who remained. Failure of complete evacuation resulted in hundreds of deaths and severe suffering for thousands. Contrary to Blanco's claim that the word mandatory doesn't mean any more than us getting up saying get out, the delay in calling a mandatory evacuation and not enforcing or facilitating that evacuation had real consequences for the city and for the protection of ordinary people. As noted above, many residents believed that an earlier declaration of a mandatory evacuation would have helped get more people out. The president of the Louisiana Nursing Home Association also told select committee staff that at least one nursing home had been unable to evacuate its patients pre-landfall because it could not find bus drivers by the time the mandatory evacuation order was issued. While these warnings were sufficient to motivate more than a million citizens to evacuate, using the state's revised, well-planned, and executed, phased, contraflow evacuation plan, more than 70,000 people did not evacuate. Those who did not evacuate were exposed first to the dangers of drowning in the floodwaters after the breach of the levees, and then to deprivation of food, water, and shelter as they awaited rescue from other locations. The anticipated flooding of New Orleans, unfortunately, occurred in an environment where a population of more than 70,000 had not evacuated, with thousands of these people remaining in their homes. Hundreds of these people died, as floodwaters enveloped low-lying neighborhoods in waters above the roof lines, in tours of the affected areas, select committee staff noted the debris lines from the floodwaters were halfway up the roof of many single-story houses in St. Bernard Parish. The parish director of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, Larry Ingargiola, told select committee staff that during the storm he had answered emergency cell phone calls from desperate people trapped in their attics who had no way to escape the rising floodwaters. As stated before, many of these deaths were the result of hurricane roulette, individuals making decisions not to evacuate, or, for the poor population and those who procrastinated, not to seek shelter in the Superdome or other refuges of last resort in other parishes. As discussed in the medical care chapter, there were also many deaths among those in medical and nursing home facilities. An analysis of these deaths indicates that the flooding had a broad impact across all neighborhoods in New Orleans and the immediate surrounding parishes. 
the knight ritter news organization using preliminary data from the louisiana department of health and hospitals reviewed the location ethnicity sex and age of the victims the results of their analysis were published in the baton rouge advocate newspaper on december thirtieth two thousand five according to the analysis the bodies of at least five hundred and eighty eight people were recovered in neighborhoods that engineers say would have remained largely dry land had the levees not given way however according to orleans parish coroner dr frank minyard the cause of death for many will never be known because their bodies were too badly decomposed by the time they were recovered dr minyard however did estimate that twenty per cent of katrina's new orleans victims drowned and scores of others died of other causes awaiting rescue trapped by floodwaters similarly st bernard parish coroner dr brian bertucci is cited as saying that most of the parish's one hundred and twenty three victims drowned in their homes the analysis found that the victims of hurricane katrina were roughly proportionate to the pre-landfall population based on census data in terms of ethnicity sex and wealth in terms of ethnicity the dead in new orleans were sixty two per cent black compared to sixty six per cent for the total parish population the dead in st bernard parish were ninety two per cent white compared to eighty eight per cent of the total parish population the percentage of the dead by sex was approximately the same as the overall population in terms of wealth the analysis found that the percentage of dead bodies found in poorer new orleans and st bernard parish neighborhoods as measured by poverty rates and median household incomes was roughly equivalent to their percentage in the overall population the finding about wealthier residents comports with statements by louisiana first attorney general nicholas gachasson jr who said that many new orleans area residents with the wealth and the means to evacuate and who decided not to do so paid for that decision with their lives gachasson said that there were approximately two hundred and fifty thousand vehicles left in new orleans which he said demonstrated that there were many people with the means to leave the city who chose not to do so similarly the advocate article stated that at many of the addresses where the dead were found their cars remained in their driveways flood ruined symbols of fatal miscalculation failure of complete evacuations required heroic search and rescue efforts the fortunate ones among those who had stayed in their homes were those that were able to climb to their roofs or flee into flooded streets many of these individuals had to use tools or other objects to chop through their roofs to escape the rising flood waters thousands of these people were saved by a massive and heroic search and rescue effort the u s coast guard alone reported that it rescued more than thirty three thousand the louisiana national guard reported initial rescues of more than twenty five thousand these people were pulled out of the flood waters into boats or plucked from roofs into helicopters operated by a wide array of government agencies non-governmental organizations and citizen volunteers 
state rescuers included personnel from the department of wildlife and fisheries local police and the national guard federal rescue personnel included the coast guard the department of defense and several law enforcement agencies all twenty-eight of fema's urban search and rescue teams who come from a variety of states and local governments across the nation were also involved in the rescues the chapters on the military and law enforcement have more details on the search and rescue efforts by the military and law enforcement respectively the massive search and rescue effort while necessary under the circumstances distracted emergency managers and diverted key assets from other critical missions according to national guard officials involved in search and rescue the entire focus of monday and tuesday was on saving lives that was the governor's top priority while the select committee does not question blanco's urgency and priority on saving lives after the flooding took place the same urgency and priority on a more complete evacuation of new orleans before the flooding would have saved lives if there had been a more complete evacuation the number of flood victims requiring search and rescue would have been greatly reduced. This would have allowed federal, state, and local emergency response officials to focus earlier on re-establishing communications and situational awareness, and moving commodities into hard-hit parishes beyond New Orleans. Many of the helicopters used for search and rescue could have been utilized for these tasks those in shelters or on high ground suffered through horrible conditions those who escaped to shelters or high ground suffered horrible conditions at a number of locations including the superdome the convention center and the cloverleaf where they arrived through a number of different means some had walked or driven before landfall some had walked after the flood waters reached their homes and some had been dropped off by search-and-rescue boats or helicopters. Each of the locations had their own miserable conditions. New Orleans opened the Superdome as a refuge of last resort. As such, it was set up to allow people to survive a storm passing over. It was not intended to house, feed, and water thousands of people for several days. A cadre of more than two hundred New Orleans police and the Louisiana National Guard searched all people entering the Superdome for weapons and contraband. In addition, FEMA and the National Guard had pre-positioned food and water in the Superdome, and some additional food and water was trucked in at the last minute. Some of the people arriving had listened to the mayor's suggestion and had brought a three-day supply of food and water sleeping bags and clothes those who came to the superdome after the flooding brought nothing but the clothes on their backs the conditions in the superdome soon deteriorated the initial calm situation sunday night changed early monday morning when the dome's roof opened up and the building lost power while the superdome was still structurally sound the hole in the roof scared people it made noise and water started coming in the National Guard had to suddenly move thousands of people from the field up into the seating sections. Later, after the flooding, the power went out across the city. 
without power the only lighting in the superdome was emergency lighting that ran off the emergency generator this was not the same as full lighting and with no power the air conditioning was also not working related to the power outage the water system went out causing the toilets to back up creating an awful stench that grew progressively worse as the days wore on many people could not stand the heat and smell and gathered outside on the surrounding walkway area which thus became very crowded although the situation was bad and deteriorating there was never a shortage of food and water they were distributed twice a day at first and continuously later in general people were hot it smelled and they were anxious to leave this deteriorating situation led to the increasing urgency among officials and the population to evacuate the superdome conditions were also unbearable in the convention center the select committee was unable to determine exactly when the convention center became a shelter and when officials became aware of the deteriorating conditions there none of the officials who spoke with the select committee staff were willing to take responsibility for the operation of the convention center as a shelter and none claimed that they knew about the situation until wednesday morning or afternoon august thirty first while these officials stated that the convention center was never designated as a shelter like the superdome mayor nagin's testimony suggested that the city had sanctioned that location in his prepared statement the mayor stated that the swelling crowd at the superdome and the number of people needing shelter required us to open the convention center as another refuge brown was widely criticized for saying on thursday night that he only found out that afternoon about the people at the convention center late that same night however the city of new orleans finally requested that the national guard secure and evacuate the convention center in conjunction with the new orleans police department the next day people initially went to the convention center after the breaches of the levees late monday night or early tuesday morning as the flood waters rose people left their homes and headed for higher ground the convention center is near the mississippi river levee one of the higher elevations in new orleans the national guard estimated that there were nineteen thousand people there conditions in the convention center were notably worse than the superdome in several ways like the superdome the convention center had no electrical power no lighting no air conditioning and no functioning toilets but unlike the superdome the convention center had no authorities or security on hand no weapon screening no food and no water other high ground spots became spontaneous gathering points with miserable conditions many people went to these locations on their own because their houses were flooded and they were looking for dry land in addition many people were dropped off at these sites by rescuers because of initial emphasis on saving lives people were just dumped off there by helicopters or boats without any initial concerns for providing them with food or water unlike the superdome or the convention center there was no shelter from the sweltering sun 
Specific locations where evacuees found themselves included the Cloverleaf, where two highways met, the Industrial Canal levees, the Mississippi River levees, and Broad Street levees. These locations had generally not been manned with security personnel, such as police, nor had there been any plans to supply them with food, water, or medical treatment. The cloverleaf on the interstate was one of the worst locations. The site was being used for medical triage and evacuation, so there was initially some food and water there, at least for the medical patients. However, additional people arrived, on their own or by the helicopters or boats that rescued them from the water. The supply of food and water was not sufficient for the crowd, which eventually grew to 6,000 to 7,000 people. Flooding further hampered relief efforts for those not initially evacuating. Efforts to provide relief to those stranded at the Superdome, Convention Center, the Cloverleaf, and other positions of high ground were stymied by the floodwaters. Simple tasks, such as trucking food and water to these locations, were complicated by flooded highways that necessitated the use of high-clearance vehicles or long detours. Some of these sites were very difficult to supply or evacuate later because they were islands completely surrounded by water. As mentioned in the communications and the command and control chapters, the lack of communications, situational awareness, command and control, and effective logistics systems further hampered efforts to identify many of these locations and coordinate relief. The floodwaters also complicated efforts to conduct a post-landfall evacuation, as discussed in the next section. End of section 18